I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for TGIF, March 4th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Brett, happy Friday. Will you be levitating this weekend? <laughs> I thought that was a good lead-in. That's a good lead-in. <laughs> Tell the Peak Pals why you're mentioning levitating. Sh sure. I'm a big fan of Dua Lipa, and Dua Lipa is being sued for allegedly ripping off a band called Article Sound System, which is a reggae band, and their song, Live Your Life. I was skeptical about this lawsuit. And then, Brett and I, you listened to the song at the same time I did. What do you think about what's going on with your Dua Lipa? So we've talked about this before. We talked about Olivia Rodrigo and how she was inspired by Paramour. And I thought that was kind of, you know, it's vaguely similar. But this one, Jay, once you hit that verse in the song, it is a direct copy of Levitating. It's incredible. Or Levitating is well, the other way around. Other yeah. way around, yeah. Yeah, it sounds a lot similar. I don't know how this will shake out. I mean, certainly Dua Lipa is a huge star. She is. seems like she might have to pay the piper on this one. And there's a Canadian connection, too, in that Dua Lipa is one of her producers that produced Levitating is Stephen Kosminiwak, who is known as Cause, who's from Whitehorse Yukon. So there's, this is going to be a lawsuit we're following. We we often, I feel like, talk about music production and music rights, and this is going to be another one that we're going to have to follow. I, I always wonder who has to pay if there are damages with this? Who pays? Is it the record label? Is it Dua Lipa? It's probably not Dua Lipa. Is it the baby, or is it the producers? It, it, <laughs> it has to be. It has to be the record label, right? It's either. <laughs> I think you just said, is it the baby or is it the producers? I'm not 100 percent sure. Someone I think is going to have to pay. Article Sound System, and they are not a huge band, so this might be the biggest payday they ever have. Well, congratulations to them. I think it's coming their way, Jay. And I, I encourage people to listen because you'll also feel the same way, I think. <laughs> I think you might. Brett, aside from Dua Lipa having to pay the piper, potentially, what do we have for Pete Bells today? For our first story, tariff terror. For our second story, Canadian-owned. And for our third story, chip shortage. For our first story, new day, new economic penalties against Russia. Canada is imposing a 35% tariff on goods imported from Russia and its ally Belarus as the feds look for new ways to respond to the invasion of Ukraine. Brett, what other measures did Canada announce to deter Russia or try? So Canada will also revoke Russia and Belarus's status as quote unquote, a most favored nation. Russia is not my first favored nation, that's for sure. <laughs> And this will make them two of only three countries not to enjoy the status, the other being North Korea. So that's not great company. MFN is a principle enshrined in the World Trade Organization rules that demand countries treat all their trading partners equally, with some exceptions for free trade agreements. Now, in practice, this means that tariffs like the kind Canada is imposing on Russia and Belarus aren't allowed, hence the move to strip them of the status. And here's why it matters. Well, it kind of doesn't as it relates to Canada, because we don't actually import that much from Russia. So the direct impact of the tariffs will be minor in the economic sense. In 2020, Canada imported only $319 million worth of goods from Russia. 50 plus other countries import more from Russia than we do, including Malta, Tajikistan, and Thailand. We import even less from Belarus, only about $16 million in 2019. Now, Canada used to import crude oil from Russia, 18,000 barrels a day in 2019, but that ended in 2020 with Nigeria making up a greater share of imports instead. Jay, this is tough news for you. You might have to cut back on that beluga caviar you love so much. <laughs> and vodka. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Yeah. 
However, the decision could pave the way for other countries that do import more products from Russia, like the Netherlands, United Kingdom, and South Korea, which, fun fact, imports $1.16 billion of fish and then a number of other fish words that I can't pronounce (laughs) from Russia every year. A lot of fish coming from Russia going into South Korea. For our second story, no ifs, ands, or buts. Canadian airlines have to be Canadian-owned, 51% at least. The country's transportation regulator has launched an investigation into Edmonton-based Flair Airlines surrounding potential issues around foreign control. This is per the Globe and Mail. Jay, what's Flair's deal? So self-described as, quote, Canada's everyday low-fare airline, Flair flies 12 planes over 30 destinations in Canada and abroad. And they're in an investigation by the CTA, and the CTA views the power associated with majority foreign airline ownership, whether exercised or not, as a risk that can impact management priorities, ranging from strategic decision-making to -to day-to-day operations, which is why airlines running domestic routes must be 51% Canadian-owned, like WestJet and Air Canada. The federal regulator, which has the power to issue fines and suspended airlines operating license, took the step after a review of Flair's ownership, which found 25% ownership and 60% of its board seats with Miami-based 777 partners. Former Air Canada executive John, I'm going to screw this one up, Gradke? Yeah, good enough. You tried. You tried. (laughs) I did try. Told the Globe and Mail that CTA reasons the, quote, mind of the organization has to be in Canada and controlled by Canadians. And given the very real impact that airlines have on the population, of course, he'd say that. Now, just if you're wondering what the CTA is, it's the Canada Transportation Agency. And the CTA is a self-described quasi-judicial body that operates largely in secret without public hearings. In this case, regarding concerns about the Canadianness of air carriers. <laughs> However, decisions may be appealed to Canada's Transportation Appeal Tribunal. It sounds like some shadow council that's like watching over the airlines. <laughs> quasi-judicial body. That's the kind of body I have. Flair obviously disagrees with the agency's perception of it, with their CEO, Stephen Jones, saying, quote, Flair is completely compliant with all applicable airline regulations, including those dealing with Canadian control. But it'd probably been better if he said that in French. Jay, that's tying back a lot of stories there. (laughs) Now, interestingly enough, Flair is also embroiled in a legal battle with its largest Canadian investor, Prescott Strategic Investments, partly owned by Flair's former CEO, Jim Scott. Flair sought and was granted a publication ban and sealing order on that lawsuit. That means we can't talk about it, Jay. Uh, And so, Jay, why does the CTA's investigation of Flair matter? Well, Canadian ownership of strategic industries has been a longstanding debate. Some argue that the practice limits competition and makes it more expensive for the end consumer, while others say it protects Canadian jobs and makes these industries easier to regulate. Either way, we'll have to keep an eye on where the CTA stands on Flair and what that impact has on your upcoming Tofino vacation, Brett. A side note and a word of warning here. You know, there's been a number of airlines in Canada's history that have tried the same model. And usually what happens is one day they just go out of business and everyone's tickets are canceled. So just something to keep, something to think about when you book with Flair. For our last story, something you might eat on Flair, I guess. Frito-Lay's standoff with Loblaw has left an unsuspected third-party winner standing. Ontario chip and salsa maker Neil Brothers, this according to the Financial Post. Brett, I'm conflicted on this one. I do love all-dressed ruffles. I really, really do. That predates my my time in Canada. But it's also neat to see a Canadian company doing well. And I really like Peter Neal of Neal Brothers. He's one of the brothers. What is happening with the chip shortage? Maybe we should get Peter Neal on the pod someday. Like so we it. talked about this a few days ago. But in case you missed it, Frito-Lays has stopped shipping its popular snacks to Loblaws including Cheetos and Miss Vicky's, for over two weeks. 
after the grocer refused to accept the company's flaming hot price increases. Now, they attributed this to the rising cost of ingredients, labor, and transport, but Loblaws doesn't think that's a real thing. And so the standoff represents broader tensions in the Canadian food business as grocers and suppliers grapple with rising inflation across the supply chain. Loblaws brushed off the demand after being inundated with requests from suppliers looking for more money, choosing to push back to maintain lower prices for consumers. It's a real standoff, a chip standoff. <laughs> it's a chip standoff. And this has left Neil Brothers Foods in a dream scenario, kind of. A local Ontario chip company's biggest competition has been wiped from 35% of Canadian grocery store shelves, in a way giving customers no option but to try their products, which they might stick with once the dust settles. Or maybe it's the chip dust settles. The massive order from Loblaws was 50% higher compared to the same time last year, and it would have been even higher if there was actual capacity. And the team is working serious overtime at Neil Brothers to ramp up production and their trucking capacity. Economic warfare, it's everywhere these days. Neil Brothers Foods co-founder Peter Neal told the Financial Post that the opportunity to respond to the snack section crisis of a major grocer has left him beaming with pride after seeing main shelves filled with his products, which were before kept in the organic aisles. He's going mainstream, which, which brings me to why the Neal Brothers success matters. Well, suppliers have long complained that Canada's grocery industry is just too consolidated, allowing a handful of dominant chains to make unfair demands and negotiations because manufacturers can't afford to lose them. As a customer, so enter Neil Brothers. I, I will say this without any commentary, but if you look at the story uh, before this one, which is about airlines, which also has an, a few players, and you look at groceries, has a few players, you start to see a trend in Canadian industry. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, maybe if you could find the last container of Russian caviar, put it on a Neil Brothers chips and eat it on a flight, you might have all of our stories in one little plate for yourself. Jay, if I was buying beluga caviar, I wouldn't be doing the podcast with you. I I hate to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I guess we know where your priorities stand. Have a good weekend, Brett. (laughs) 